What up, everybody? Welcome to episode 25 of 2, 5, and 10. As always, I am accompanied by the extremely handsome, always charming, strong island native, Ben Stu. Benny, give him a shout. That that should be playing at TD Garden before every home playoff game. Dude, like, I'm hot right now, I'm not going to lie. And, and, like, having that come on, like... They usually go for, like, the Aussie crazy train or something, but you get some drunk Irish people going, like, that's the one to go to. And Enough, okay, little side rant to start off the show. Enough with the 80s fucking rock at NHL arenas. Like, we get it. Start playing something else. Enough of the Aussie, enough of the Def Leppard and Pantera. Like, even, um, like, Alice in Chains stuff. Like, we get it. Like, find something else. Yeah, just something a little bit different. I mean... Obviously, we started with that. Everybody, we hope you had a very fun, very safe, happy St. Patrick's Day. Another thing that comes along with this is our boy, Brad McGregor, scoring the game-winning goal and then doing the Conor McGregor hypnotized walk or whatever he does, the strut. The Vince McMahon walk. (laughs) Yeah, with Conor McGregor in the building. So I thought that was pretty awesome. The only other thing was... They showed the uh, like the pregame hype up video, Connor fucking McGregor going in there, getting the boys all hyped up, and I wanted to be like, no one here tells them to get the fuck off the logo. Like that, it pissed me <laughs> off a little bit seeing him go back and forth. Like, hey bud, you know, I know you got your job to do, but get the fuck off the logo. You think Torch would have told them? Oh yeah, I don't even think Torch lets him in the locker room. That's like you know, Torch <laughs> stops him at the door. But uh, hard fought win for the boys coming in. Uh, have a couple of days off. Then McGregor comes back in the locker room, gives them all a whole bunch of proper 12 Irish whiskey. Next day was St. Paddy's Day. I have no question the boys got in one on Saturday night. But, yeah, very happy. Um, Made a fan out of me, at least temporarily. Temporarily. We'll take that. that. And, uh, I thought it was great, too, that Marshand even talks about it after as to uh, I wanted to score because I wanted to do that selly. Like, I think that's great. Like, he's like, come on, Bergie, give me this pass so I can do this. <laughs> I mean, so if they end up playing Washington or Pittsburgh in the playoffs, I know you have Crosby there, but you have Malkin, big-time Russian guy, Ovechkin, Kunetsov, and Barakowski. Do you think they bring in uh, the guy that beat McGregor? I'm blanking on the scene right now, but the last guy that he oh, fought. Oh, uh, Khabib. Nermo, yeah, could be, yeah bringing him in for a pep talk, <laughs> have both of them in the same arena. I don't even think they would allow that. I think Dana White <laughs> would be like, no, like one can do it in Pittsburgh, one can do it in Boston, but they cannot be in the same place because obviously fun things happen. Yeah, and I'm going to drop probably a very unpopular opinion here. Boston sports, like I get it, it's Boston. No more dropkick Murphys at the every home game. Like, if you're gonna, if you're celebrating, if you're at a parade, which you guys have basically every four months at this point, like I, knock yourselves out. But at Bruins games, you have the '80s rock, and then intermissions is Dropkick Murphys, and it's it's time, it's time. Yeah, they do need to spice it up a little bit at the Garden. Uh, they, they bit a little bit out of Zolak up here for the uh, Josie. Granted, I'm a big Josie fan, so if Josie, comes I love on, Josie. I don't give a shit. I'm singing it, but um. Yeah, we need to get away from the crazy train. Like, I just want something new, something fresh. I figure the boys coming out of the tunnel to that, and then that comes on, game over. See you later, Toronto. 
Exactly. And Josie, every Friday on a sports hub, marked that it was time for the weekend. Oh, yeah. And I mean, when it came down to like AFC playoffs, like AFC championship game, you want to talk about Zoe getting after it on a Friday at noon or one o'clock whenever they play it. Dude is ready. Does his job. He's ready. Wait, as a Jets fan, I'm confused. There's games after week 17. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, d- yeah. I don't, I don't no. know what you're talking about. No, no. Uh, <laughs> one other thing um, me and Ben have decided to go forward with is, uh, what, what did we call this, Ben? The shootout? Yeah, I mean, giving it a test run, but this kind of spur of the moment thing before the show started where I, it's kind of like a, Family Guy, what's grinding my gears or whatever, like shoot out. We can go back and forth if need be on uh, things that have been bothering us, bothering us, pissing us off, whether hockey related or not. Uh, I don't have anything to really bother me right now, which is kind of odd to say because something always is bothering me. But I'm sure I can think of something when it comes to this city. Well, um, before I get into my shootout topic, uh, one quick thing. I know we usually do shout outs at the end. I just want to start with this one. Um a lot of thoughts and prayers going out to the Kendig family. Just lost Papa this week. It's been a long couple of days. Thank you, everybody, for the support. Um, Amanda Big Red is holding up pretty good. Very thankful for that. But, um, yes, thank you, everybody, for your thoughts and prayers. We appreciate it. But now, going into the shootout part of this. Benny, I, I have a question for you. I'm nervous. Uh, oh, um. I need to find out if Amanda's Uncle Steve is a loser or not. And Does Uncle Steve listen to the show? He does listen to the show. Oh, so he's already starting off as not a loser in my book, but we'll see. Oh, the, the Saturday night, something happened. And um, I was like, oh, my God, you're a loser. So we were getting an order together. The whole family was together. We were getting an order to go get some food. Okay. And now I, I have to ask you. If you get a hot sub, chicken parm, steak and cheese, steak bomb, chicken cutlet, mm-hmm. do you get it toasted? The bread? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dude, absolutely. Like, you have to get it like, toasted. Why would you have cold bread with a hot interior? Well, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you get a cold sub, I get it if you don't toast it. Like, you know, keep it cold with cold. And, like, me and Melissa were downstairs and we were talking about this. Because someone ordered, was like, oh, yeah, you want the bread toasted? Like, yeah. We go upstairs. She's like, oh, Uncle Steve's like, oh, I have this. Blood. She's like, toasted, right? He's like, no. And I'm like, you you don't get your bread toasted? He's like, no, you got to have it, like, nice. And so I was like, oh, my God. Like, you're a loser. And and then I end up texting, like, Kyle and Stratty today to, like, kind of get an opinion piece. Two of them losers. Neither, neither of them get their bread oh, toasted. Oh, wow. So, like. I think we might have to do a two, five, and ten poll or something. I just couldn't believe. I was blown away. I was like, really? Like, how do you not toast the bread? See, the thing is, bread tastes better when it's warm. That's why when it comes fresh out of the oven, people like to have it when it's warm. You go to a nice restaurant, they give you freshly baked or warm bread to eat before your meal comes out. When you get a hot sub, I even toast my bread if I'm getting a cold sub. But if you're getting like a meatball parm, it's kind of off-putting to like have room temperature for cold bread as the first taste of the sandwich when you bite it oh and the the other thing is this too like dude i'm hungover i go like steak bomb like with all the grease and everything in there i can't go not toasted like because it's gonna like rip right through i'm just flabbergasted with people like i can't believe it so when we post this i'm tagging this in 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 the headline is uncle steve a loser and I'm tagging him <laughs> on Facebook. And... I knew I knew it had to be something bad, uh, theoretically, since you were naming names. So oh, I, I name dropped. I was I didn't even care. I was me and Melissa were blown away. Like we couldn't even believe it. We like looked <laughs> it's a at beautiful quality cover. Oh my god! Like me and Mel were like, uh, like we're gonna go pick up everyone's sub but yours. Like we're gonna tell them no, keep this one because he doesn't know how to order. I mean, if he, I am a sandwich guy, a first lady can attest to that, but. You can post that. You can tag him in it. You know, we could post a poll. Toasted bread, non-toasted bread, if you're getting a hot sub. I could, you know, March Madness is right around a corner. You know, we can think of a, a sandwich 
top 64 bracket or something like that. Come down to the best type of sandwich you get if you want. You know what? We got plenty of time on our hands. I think that might be the way to go. <laughs> but yeah, got to get it to us, even if it's a cold sandwich for me. All right, so at least we're on the same page, because if you said something different, like, I, I couldn't even tell you in the pre-show what it was, because I was like, I have to ask you this question, and I need your honest opinion. Like, I, I couldn't ask you before for you to be prepared for, like, still, I'm still that's flabbergasted. Why you, that's why you're doing a podcast with me, not with uh, Stratty and Kyle and Uncle uh, Uncle Steve. <laughs> well, getting away from our shout-out this, shootout this week, well, I guess it's a shout-out, because we just won to it in nothing, so getting away from the shout-out shootout. Your boys this week get into a little bit of a uh, little bit of trouble getting feisty in the same game. Uh, Brendan Lemieux kicked out of the game for a hit that I didn't think he deserved to get kicked out of the game for, and then Chris Kreider gets fined for an elbow that he gave to Elias Pedersen, which the elbow to me was kind of one of those things of you see it all the time in hockey where. You come in a little late to a play, and then you just kind of swing your stick around and point out, and he kind of got him with it. I know you're a Rangers guy, but thoughts and opinions on it? Yeah, so these two came after the previous game where Mika Zibanejad was given a five-minute major, uh, and I think a game of conduct for boarding. And the NHL had to rescind that match penalty and apologize to the Rangers, which pissed off Quinny. Uh, he was like, enough of the apologies. Like, let's get things correctly officiated. The very next game, uh, I think against Vancouver, Kreider it was was first. Uh, like you said, he was going in. Kreider, one of the fastest guys in the league, going hard into uh, behind a net on a forecheck, tries to get the loose puck. Patterson whips around the boards, and when Kreider spins uh, to where his numbers were facing the glass, his right elbow came up and caught Patterson up high, I guess, in a chain or in the mouth. Patterson, like he normally does because he weighs seven ounces, drops to his knees. Now, yeah, he caught him with the elbow. That's definitely not a major penalty and an ejection or fine-worthy elbow. It's not like he targeted the head. He didn't come in uh, charging the guy with it, nothing like that. I think it was incidental contact. Yeah, you have to be in control of your elbow, so I get a penalty, maybe even a double minor or something like that, but... The fine and the ejection was crazy. Um, for Brendan Lemieux, that was a definitely a reputation call. Uh, guy fell into him. Uh, Antoine Roussel fell into him. He got his legs all twisted up because Mark Stahl hit him from behind uh, after a rebound in front off Lundqvist. Gets his legs all twisted up, falls into Lemieux. Lemieux, I don't even think, touches his upper part of his body. Gets ejected for a hit to the head. Uh, match penalty for the Rangers, who were down by a goal at the time, ended up losing. I uh, had to kill off a five-minute major penalty. Lemieux ejected. Rangers were down two forwards, lose the game. And then, just like with Zibanejad, Lemieux's match penalty was rescinded and the league apologized. Yeah, the Lemieux one for me was, like, he didn't hit him in the head. Like, from what I consider a headshot now or what the NHL does, I honestly didn't think it was that. Like, like you said, he was falling down. Lemieux's coming through on a play that you're taught from a kid to come in and clean somebody out in front of the net. He's already coming down, and then it looked like Roussel's head hit him in, like, the stomach. Like, he was already yeah. kind of falling down. So I saw it. I was like, I don't see what's dirty about that. I just I, – I didn't see what was dirty about the play at all. I don't, I don't know why he got that. Maybe the Reputation. Refs, no, and, and I get that. But at the same time, it's kind of like maybe the ref had a bad angle, and now Roussel's there, and – in the new NHL, they're usually going to call it that way. Like, uh, it must have been something bad. Uh, yeah, I mean, just to hop in, it, it was, I think the refs, because there was a scramble in front of the rebound, weren't really paying attention to Roussel that was uh, in a low slot. And well, when they, they finally they got... they scored his, on that play, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so when they finally got their eyes on Roussel, Roussel was falling down, uh right next to Lemieux, and then as soon as he fell to the ice, he was, like, grabbing his head and his, like, knee, which got twisted underneath him. So they probably thought Lemieux did something. That's where I feel like it's a reputation call where, oh, something. it looks like something happened. Lemieux's standing there. He must have done something. Uh, which, like, same thing with Martian. You're going to get that call if you're going to build up that reputation. But, yeah, I don't know what happened with that. 
like father, like son. I mean, I'm just gonna call it now. The kid's a dirtbag, just like his father. No, um, <laughs> I love Lemieux, but I love Brendan, man. Like I've been wanting him on it. I sent I sent Kevin a tweet where on Twitter in July of 2018, I was tweeting out how the Rangers could possibly get Brendan Lemieux. I've been a fan of his that long. I think he has a little bit of untapped offensive potential. So I've been on his fan, his fan bandwagon for a while. Rangers finally got him. He's lived up to it. He scored a couple of goals, uh, bringing some grit to the team. So I'm a big fan of his. His dad can go fuck himself, though. <laughs> um, as for the Kreider one, I don't I don't know how to feel about it, like I said it before. It's just kind of one of those things where it's just kind of, you're, you're kind of just taught to put your stick out there, put your arm out there, get in the way. And... Yeah, like you said too, Elias Pettersson being 120 pounds playing in the NHL, he's he's gonna fall over a lot. It's gonna hurt. So, it is what it is. Yeah, I I like I said, I can see an elbowing call. I just don't think it was a match penalty worthy or anything like that, or even gonna find after the fact. Yeah, no, I I didn't think the fine was there. I mean, five grand to Kreider's whatever. But at the same time, it's like, you know what I could do with five grand with the boys? Exactly. <laughs> I would send the league. Five thousand dollars in pennies. <laughs> well, I mean, the good news is that he's in New York, so technically he could. He could just show up at the league office and be like, "Here you go, Batman." A bunch with unrolled pennies that they have to count down in front of him to make sure he paid the full bill. Well, no, I think I think they just hit it right out of your pay, though, so they don't have to worry about guys being shitbags like that and doing uh, that. Well, yeah, I mean, that was an idea because I did that to uh, LaSalle College Police with my parking ticket senior year. So, <laughs> suck on that, Scuba. <laughs> Uh, getting away from the Rangers, but still an original six. Carey Price of the Montreal Canadiens wins in Montreal history with 315. Passing Jacques Plant, other people on the list, Patrick Waugh, Ken Dryden, Bill Dooman, Jose Theodore. The list goes on and on. What are your thoughts on uh, Carey up there? Yeah, 110 years. Montreal, the Canadians have been an organization, uh, so it's definitely an iconic moment. Uh, when somebody sets an all-time record for an organization like that. Uh, I'm surprised that the number is kind of that low, but I guess it's because a lot of goalies haven't spent a significant amount of their career, their entire career, uh, at a high level in Montreal. Uh, even, like, it's 613 games for Carey Price. Um, Plant had even less time uh, with Montreal, so it's he's played 11 years there. So... I mean, it's a big achievement for Carey Price. I think as long as he avoids Chris Kreider, he's always going to be a very talented uh, goaltender. Um, it's just surprising me because he's so unassuming, and it just kind of snuck up where it's like, oh, original six team most wins in Montreal Canadiens history. I was just surprised that it was that low of a number, I guess. Well, I'm just surprised, too, that it, like, it kind of snuck up. It wasn't really talked about that he was getting this milestone until the day it happened. And like you said, with the organization being around for 110 years now, you figured it would be more of a thing. Um, obviously, look at some of the other guys on the list. Patrick Wah, 289 wins and 551 games for him. Obviously, if that day didn't happen where he got lit up like a Christmas tree and asked to be traded, obvious, I mean, he probably would have retired there. So, yeah. I mean, who knows as to how many wins he would have ended up having in the end. But... um. No, man, hats off to Carey Price. He's been there a long time. He's their backbone. That team only goes as far as he takes them every year. Like last year, absolute dog shit. Just he wasn't there. He was hurt. They weren't even talked about, not even close. Um, Yeah, good for him. Good for him. I will say, so Jacques Plant still has the career advantage. Plant's at 437 and Price is 13. But what was surprising to me is at 315 wins, Price all-time is 29th. He's five behind the 28th place, Mika Kippersoff. The Kipper. Like, th- throw it back to, like, those battles in the early to mid-2000s with Kipper basically holding on for dear life in Calgary. The Kipper and the Red Beard were definitely holding on to more than dear life. There was, <laughs> there was definitely a little shaky up there. Uh, I'd say still a little shaky up there for the goaltenders, yeah. but m- maybe... Uh, Calgary's turning into like Philadelphia where you can send any goalie there, but it doesn't matter who's in front of them. It's just not going to work out. Yeah. I mean, and just to wrap it up price as 
you saw that video we shared it on our Facebook page. The time he took with that uh, young fan of his after the fan's mom passed away and everything. Uh, seems like a great guy off the ice too. So hopefully he can stay healthy. I mean, he could probably maybe even crack like four twenty-five uh, with Montreal in his career if he stays healthy and plays long enough. That'd be interesting because I mean, yeah, that's still a little ways off. So yeah. Getting away from the Les Habitants de Montreal, we are getting to the Russian animals of Evgeny Malkin hitting the 1,000-point threshold and Alexander Ovechkin hitting 1,200-point threshold. What do you think about that, Benny? Yeah, so it happened in the same game, uh, which is good. After the, I think it was after the game, but Crosby and Ovechkin in a little kind of a scrum Apparently, Crosby congratulated him on reaching 1,200 points. Uh, obviously, big milestones for those guys. Only he's uh, Malkin is only the 88th player to reach 1,000 career points. And interesting enough, you might think, oh, well, he's only 200 points behind Ovechkin. The drop-off from guys that hit 1,000 but didn't crack 1,200 is 40 guys because Ovechkin is only the 48th player to hit 1,200. So you can see how... More, much more difficult it is once you get to a thousand. It's usually towards the tail end of a career, or something happens that prevents you from even cracking twelve hundred. Uh, it doesn't look like that's going to be the case for Malkin, but big, big milestone in the same game. My question for you is, you know, Ovechkin first ballot Hall of Famer, Crosby obviously first ballot Hall of Famer. Is Malkin like a Hall of Fame player to you, or is he like the Hall of Very, Very Good? I think he makes the hall. I don't think he's first ballot, but I definitely think he's in the hall as of right now. I think the only other thing we have to look at, like we discussed in like previous episodes, is the hall has opened its doors for certain players. Mm. So I just don't think you can keep Malkin out. Will he be yeah. first ballot? Right now, I don't know. I mean, if he can make it to 1,200, I mean, I'd say it has to be. But... Right now, he's definitely in. Is he first ballot? I don't know. I guess it all depends on who's in that class. Yeah, it's just, like you said, once the barrier starts getting lowered, which it's been like that in NBA for a long time, I uh, really talking about a guy like Carmelo. Oh, he's a surefire Hall of Famer. Carmelo is not a Hall of Famer, except in the NBA. Um, baseball is starting to do that a little bit, where the bar is getting lowered uh, for some guys. So once it starts getting diluted, like you said, it's hard to keep guys like Malkin out who have all the counting stats. Uh, but Ovechkin, 33 years old, hits 1,200 points. He's still 1,600 points away from Gretzky, which is ridiculous. The Gretzky things, like, nowadays when you look at it, obviously he's Wayne Gretzky. He's the great one. But at the same time, it's like, it's fucking disgusting that a guy can hit a milestone that only 40 three other people have hit in the NHL and he's still 1600 points away from Gretzky. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like this is elite company and he's still 1600 away from being number one back to you, Jack. Like what the they fuck? always had, they always had that stat where if you take away all of Gretzky's goals in his career and just give him points, he's still the all time points leader. That's insanity. And granted, I know a lot of it had to do with the teams that he was on. Like, the Edmonton teams, you want to talk about absolutely disgusting and filthy and sickening? Those were them. Like, Messier, Tekanen. Like, you could even give it to the point. You had Paul Coffey ripping things. Like, yeah, come on. Yari Curry was on a second line. <laughs> yeah, like, it, ridiculous. I can't even... I can't. Like, they're basically... They were the Tampa of now. Just absolute wagons, except they were, like, times two than what Tampa is now. Yeah, there was actually an interesting article uh, that mentioned Tampa. They were asking the Stamkos and the guys in Tampa now if they were playing the, I think it was the 98 Red Wings in a best of seven, who would win that series? Ooh. And they were interviewing old Red Wings guys because back then the Red Wings had uh, Eisenman, Fedorov, Lidstrom, Osgood and Vernon and goal, the uh, fourth line of McCarty, uh, Holtby and uh, Draper. And it was interesting because the guys in the Red Wings said, it would, I think we'd run them out of the building with our physicality, but they, 
they would crush us with their speed. I think that shows right there, though, now that it's still a completely different NHL. Like, those guys in 98 might have had all the finesse and everything else, but I feel like the game now has evolved speed-wise so fast. Like, you see players who get drafted who never make it because they can't skate in the NHL. They can yeah. be lifelong AHLers making a buck twenty-five, two fifty a year because they're lifers down there and they can produce, but they're that half a step slow and they'll never make show dough. Like, I I just think it's crazy. Like, it's that good of a league because not only do you have to possess the skills, but you still have to be that fast. Like, I think that's crazy. Yeah, they were talking about like individual matchups. Um, first of all, if Fedorov played his entire career. Starting in like 2008, what would his numbers be? But they were talking about Fedorov and Kucherov facing off like in a uh, line matchup, which would be crazy. Then Eisman versus Stamkos, uh, things like that. But they were saying if it was the best of seven series, each home team would play under their era's rules. (laughs) Which, if that was the case, McCarty would just fucking run over everybody <laughs> well yeah i was gonna say the tampa fourth line now wouldn't stand a chance against darren no. mccarty see you later by now yeah but i thought that's interesting uh you reminded me of it when you brought up tampa bay there but it's, yeah gretzky i don't see anybody touching his points record ovechkin has a outside shot of catching him goal wise but we'll see i i must say hats off to sid there it's a huge milestone. I know they've had this massive rivalry since forever, since they've both come into the league. But at least, you know, hats off to him. He understands it. He knows what it's like to get there. Do you think Sid only did it because he beat him to that milestone? Like, if Ovi beat him to 1,200, do you think he would even say anything to him? Probably not, because they're such intense competitors, and they've had that rivalry their entire career. Uh, they did ask Crosby after the game, like, do you have any thoughts on him reaching a milestone? Like, you guys have been rivals for a while. And he was like, to be honest, like, I don't really think about it too much. You guys are the ones that are constantly bringing that up whenever we face each other. And then the follow-up question was, you know, after winning your Cups and, you know, basically going through Washington every year to do so, uh, Washington finally got over the hump. Did you feel anything when you saw Ovechkin win it? Like, did you feel like, oh, well, good for him. He's got his. And he's like, no, I just looked at him and said, I'm going to take that back next year. And I'm like, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, that's one thing, like, at least with hockey players, you hear about it. Like, when guys retire, they can come out and say, like, oh, you know, I was happy that so-and-so won a cup. Yeah. But, like, yeah, these guys are competitive. Like, you're at the top of the mountain. The parties that you have, the the broads you pick up, like, the bonus money, like, Come on. Everybody wants it. And I mean, Sid's had three of them. And I think the older you get, the more you realize as to how important it is and to cherish it. Like, you know, as you get older with your family and so on and so forth. Like, I'm sure the first one he had was just an absolute all out melee. Like, you know, just the first, we want the cop. But, you know, the older you get, you might not have as many beers. You want to remember it a little bit more because. Like you said, uh, October comes around, you put that thing in a case, and you hope you see it again in June. Because if not, you never know the next time you might see it. Exactly. And t- two things on that. Uh, first one is, you know, you talk about as you get older, you know, the celebrations might change, or you'll just appreciate that you accomplish it again versus the first time. And it was like, holy shit, like, we want a cup. Let's go out and party. If the Bruins win a cup this year, I fully expect Marshan to still be shirtless on top of bars in Boston, just being a drunk mess for like six weeks. I don't know. He got the wife and the kids now. So I don't know if he would or if he wouldn't. Um, Man, how painful must that labor have been with their noses? God bless that woman. <laughs> it, it, it must have been a C-section. <laughs> um, but the other thing is uh, just... Like, they always talk about it with Marino when he made it early in his career and never made it back. The fact that there are guys who could go their entire career and not win the Cup or play for the Cup or have made it early and never made it back, like, seeing guys like Crosby win it multiple times must be, like, crushing. Oh, absolutely. And I'm sure it was for Ovi. Like, not only did he win that first one in 09, but then he went back-to-back. And he went through you every time. Like, you had the chance to beat him, and you could have done that. 
but it didn't happen. So I think, A, now the monkey's off Ovechkin's back. So I think going into the playoff matches, it'll probably be easier for them, like mentally, because, you know, that was always the big thing. Can Ovi beat Sid in the playoffs? So you, you can beat me every regular season game. I don't give a shit. But when it comes time to the playoffs and we're beating you, we're lifting the cup, obviously it's different. And now the next thing has to be, can Ovi do it again? Because, yeah. I mean, you, you do it once, you know, the, oh, it was a fluke, blah, blah, they won the cup, they got hot at the right time. Now if you do it, going forward until either of them retire, the playoffs are different because, I mean, they're probably going to play each other every year in the first or second round if the format stays the same. Yeah, and it's kind of like the Peyton Manning-Brady thing. Brady had those Super Bowls, and Manning won his first, and it's like, oh, Manning finally got a Super Bowl. Nobody can hold that against him anymore. But then everybody's like, can he do it again? Because Brady's done it four yeah. times at that point. Can uh, Peyton pull out another one? So it's kind of like, yeah, he finally won one, but to really prove that he was an all-time great, you had to win more than that one because I guess the common denominator is get hot at the right time, anybody could win the Super Bowl one time, but can you do it multiple? Same thing with the Cup. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think the Super Bowl to hockey's apples to oranges just with any, any given Sunday. Anyone can come out and win, but, you know, can you win four games? I, I think that's what makes the NHL the best like you want to talk about a grind and just an absolute fucking war path left behind you to get somewhere that's it baby we're almost yeah. there and I'm pretty sure if if I win in our locks this week and next week Benny's coming to Boston yeah I think you're uh two games up with three weeks to go so I think to make it fair, you should go on out, out on a limb for the next two weeks, see if you can tie it up before we go into the last week of the season. I'll have to um, go <laughs> go and relook. I already have my lock in there, so I'm I'm, I'm pretty much so I'll I'll relook at the schedule while we're discussing the next topic to see if I can uh, pick somebody different. I can't different. believe Toronto fucking lost to Ottawa, man. Oh, dude, I t I told you you can't trust those fucking guys. Yeah, like they made an enemy out of me. I hope they get swept in our first round. Coming for that ass, baby. <laughs> um, switching topics to probably your favorite team in the NHL. You were the one who told me I didn't even see it, so I'm going to let you take it away. But the New York Islanders, uh, new Belmont Arena, there's a holdup. What a shocker. Yeah, shocking since they've been trying to get a new arena and a actual home since... Shit, since I was in high school. So you're talking about like the early 2000s up until 2005 at the Lighthouse Project with Charles Wang, the former owner of the Islanders. Uh, you threw me off. I thought there was something about the Rangers that I was supposed to talk about that I forgot about. But <laughs> when you said my favorite team in NHL. <laughs> um, yeah, so the Islanders, you know, everybody knows the deal. They tried to make an actual Coliseum work. They proposed renovating it. They proposed building a new arena with a bunch of amenities inside of it. Uh, next to the Coliseum, which would have included like a convention center, hotel. Nassau County blocked it, rejected it. So then that led to the Islanders moving to Barclays Center in Brooklyn, which is was never made for hockey. Uh, the sight lines are terrible. The scoreboard over the center ice is off center. Uh, very amateur hour stuff. Um, the owner of the Nets... Uh, who shares the arena was unhappy with the deal, so were the their owners. So they basically agreed to part ways as soon as possible. Uh, the Islanders were looking for a new arena project for a while. They were looking at uh, next to City Field in Queens, a couple of different areas. Uh, they decided on Belmont next to the Belmont Racetrack in Queens. Finally, they thought got their home. Uh, construction was supposed to begin, I think next spring or summer. Uh, and in the meantime, the Islanders would be playing most of their home games at Nestle Coliseum. Up until about a week ago, when after all this time, all this planning, all this deliberation, it finally came to the Islanders' owners and their architects' attention that, yes, they have a Long Island Railroad kind of branch, like a spar that goes out to the Belmont racetrack for event days. But it can only go one way. <laughs> so you can't have 
the Long Island Railroad coming from, let's say, Jamaica, Queens, and coming from eastern Long Island, going into the same tra- train station at the same time, the way it's currently built. Uh, in order to do this, if no renovations were made to the train tracks or the train station, they would basically have to overshoot the Belmont station if you're coming from the east, turn the train around, and then come back and then go back up that spar. And all this would be going on during rush hour because obviously home games would be beginning around 7 o'clock on Long Island. So now the Islanders are in a position where they're either going to have to try and make that really shitty scenario work with the one train in, one train out during rush hour, or the MTA, which runs the subways uh, and Long Island Railroad for New York, said, listen, we can renovate the tracks and build up the station where it can handle multiple trains at one time to make things easier, but we're not paying for it. And the total costs, which you know the total estimates are always comes in on a low end because by the time the project's over, it's like at least several hundred million dollars over what the estimated, estimated cost was. But it would cost the Islanders owners an additional out-of-pocket $325 million. And now the Islander owners... I guess they're deliberating with the state and the city and everything else on, they may not want to pay that. And if that's the case, they don't have a home arena in New York anymore because Nassau Coliseum and the NHL won't let the Islanders move back there because it's only 10,000 seats now. They can't play at Barclays. They're not playing at Prudential. They're not playing at MSG. And if there's no construction being done for their own individual arena at Belmont, they've got nowhere to go. At this point now... If anyone's moving, and I know I hate that we rag on Florida a lot, but at least they have a lease. At least they have a place to play. Like, this shit is ridiculous. And I don't know or understand why and or who, like, who the fuck makes these decisions? But They should be fired. Like, the Islanders' ownership is an absolute joke. So they moved this team originally to Brooklyn for whatever reason because they couldn't do their arena. So then they renovate the whole thing, and now you're going to get select games, but we can't move back there permanently. Like, this has to be the nail in the coffin. Like, I just don't know what Bettman does here. I mean, is this the next Quebec? I I think it has to be. I understand you would have to realign the divisions, but who gives a shit? Like, this is crazy, dude. Every time this team tries to do something, they, they didn't know. <laughs> like, they didn't know when they were building this thing. Like, I couldn't believe, like, hearing this. Like, it's insanity. Yes. Yeah, so the issue with, so the Islanders play, I think, half and half this season. It was going to start becoming more and more home games at Narrowstar Coliseum until their new arena was ready for uh, the Islanders. The reason why they still split it is even though the Islanders' ownership doesn't want to play in Barclays anymore and Barclays doesn't want the Islanders there anymore, the reason why Bettman and the NHL and the Islander owners can't move fully back to Nassau Coliseum in the meantime is because Nassau Coliseum has about eight luxury suites and Barclays has like 30 to 35. So the Islanders' owners and that organization makes most of their gate revenue at Barclays because of the suites. So that's the reason why they're sticking out there. If it's Bettman, I think you have two options here. You either have to pull in Governor Cuomo and city council and MTA head and basically say, this needs to get divvied up. And Islanders' ownership, first of all, they should have known this when they were looking at the site to begin with. The fact that they didn't check to see public transit options is fucking crazy. Especially in New York where everyone takes the fucking subway. Yeah, like when they announced stupidity at its finest, like fucking baffling. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when they first announced they were going to Belmont, we weren't, we hadn't started our podcast yet. But I was with the first lady, and I was like, "How is that going to work next to Belmont? They don't have like a full station there." I was like, "But I guess they're going to build that out because why would they go there?" And I dropped it. The fact that I thought of it right away. And the Islanders' ownership was like, oh, look, there's, a, there's train tracks. We're good. And the MTA didn't speak up. Like, it's, a, it's not just Islanders' ownership. It's like a full clusterfuck of people that kind of dropped the ball with this. But if you're a Batman, 
it's got to be Islanders ownership. You're going to have to pay at least a third of it, maybe even half. And then the city and a state and MTA are going to have to come up and meet them halfway to make this work. Or the only other way you could keep them in Long Island is if the NHL pays that portion of it through the league funds, which means the other owners would have spent money to help the Islanders build a new arena, which I don't know if they're going to go for that. I don't think they're going to go for that because they've won every CBA getting money back in their pocket, the owners. There's no way they're going to be giving it to the Islanders knowing, listen, have they turned it around after the Tavares thing with Lamarillo coming in and being first in the Metropolitan? Yes, they can play hockey. The only problem is no one gives a shit because everyone likes the Rangers. Like, this is New York City with an original six team. You've always been... I can't say redheaded stepchild because of my wife, <laughs> but but I'm just saying like you, yeah, like you've always been the other guy, and now it's like how ridiculous do they sound? Like they can't find a home, like you said, they can't even figure out that they need a railroad that was going both ways <laughs> to get to the building. I what's I don't what's know the worst, because what's the would the Islanders decision? would the Islanders owners even be able to split that cost if it got divvied up? To be honest, I don't even know. I don't because, think they could. Yeah, and it's not because they're poor; it's just because that's a huge chunk of money to commit after just recently purchasing the team like two, three years ago, and already paying out of pocket for the vast majority of the new arena that was going to be built anyway. Um, what's the worst decision? Not checking to see if the railroad actually can handle traffic for your new home arena or telling Garth Snow not to trade John Tavares because we want to give him time to make his decision. I think either way, no matter what, <laughs> because like, this is why he left. Like, you get no shit. Like he didn't know where he was playing from week to week. Can you blame him? No, no. Like this is why. We heard Avery go off on his Instagram, and then he went off on Borelli <laughs> on Spit and Chicklets. But it's like, I just want to have Avery come on the pod and be like, here you go. Here's the mic. You can talk as long as you want about the New York Islanders. There is no one responding. You can just go off and have a field day. And it's just one of those things to me of like, you said it. How can they have this without a subway? Who makes the plans and just automatically thinks we can just run a subway like just run a line right through here they don't even talk to the transportation they just think oh yeah that's what this will work and then yet again garth snow got fired for doing what the owners told him yeah let let him take his time and do all that like no like and i'm sure he pitched that to him like hey if you want a return we're gonna have to deal you know what i'm saying like if you don't want me to do my job, that's fine. Like, I hope I hope he had term and money still on his deal, so he's just at home collecting money, just being like, you I think guys I have one are, more year left. Yeah, like, you guys are just absolute bozos. Yeah, so I I can definitely, I've been, I have been, but I can definitely keep an eye on this whole thing, uh, see if it gets resolved. I can share any updates on the Facebook page, but if it gets to the point where that new arena project isn't going to work, they literally do not have a home in New York or in a metropolitan area. They can't go to the Coliseum. They can't play anywhere else. And to be honest, the Belmont area was kind of like a odd choice too because, yeah, it's slightly closer than Brooklyn. But most of your fans would still have to take a 45-minute each-way LIRR train ride to your home games. As you can tell, the arena isn't at capacity in Brooklyn, but it sells out in the Nassau Coliseum. So... If it's not going to work in New York, you're looking at, what, Quebec uh, has been wanting a new team. Seattle has the expansion team coming out. Like, where else would they go? I don't know. I mean. Portland? If have you, a little. Yeah, if, like, if you look up here, it's just kind of, it's kind of polluted a little bit. It's kind of really tight up here. It's, it's kind of hard to just throw another team. That's why I think Quebec works because it's a little bit further north. But the Northeast is kind of tight, and I don't know how they feel about grassroots trying to do something new, but it's like I just don't know what their next move is. 
and I think that's one thing that might be why Bettman's dragging his feet a little bit here about expansion. Well, not even expansion, just moving a team. Yeah. But I don't know, man. Like this Maybe is Maybe Atlanta would ugly. work the third time. Yeah, yeah it's definitely going to work <laughs> this time. Definitely. Oh my but God. yeah, I'll keep that updated. But when I texted Kevin about it over the weekend, I was like, the Islanders new arena hit a snag. You're like, are you fucking kidding? <laughs> like, I just don't know what else for this team. Like, done. And this is why you can't get free agents to come to you. Like, you could yeah. pay me top dollar and then some. I'm all set. Thank you. I will go somewhere else. I think Barry Trotz isn't getting enough recognition for coach of the year. I'm not saying he should win it. But you have a team that's playing in two different arenas for their home. They're basically traveling two-thirds of your schedule. Uh, he turned their team around defensively. Their goaltending has been great with the new goalie coach. Like, I don't think he's getting enough consideration for coach of the year for all the shit he has to deal with. Oh, yeah, just, just the off-ice shit. Like, not to mention his commute, too. It must be an absolute fuck show. Like, yeah. every day going to work. Like, fuck my life. That's it. <laughs> yeah, and like you said, not even just in the Northeast, just in the metropolitan New York area for arenas. You have... Barclays, MSG, Prudential, uh, Nassau Coliseum, Yankee Stadium, City Field for the Mets. Uh, you have, I think the Red Bulls have their own little spot now for MLS. And that's just in the New York metropolitan area. So it's a lot of, del- it's a diluted market. And if the Islanders can't figure out this whole transportation snag that they hit, their days might be numbered in New York. If they can't figure it out, they shouldn't have a team period. Like, let everyone become a free agent and sign somewhere else and just cancel the sure, franchise. Can you that? That, that, at this point, I, I mean, I don't know what the C- better option draft. is. Yeah, just like, hey, um, you guys can't figure it out, so we're just taking the team away. <laughs> Quebec would be like, are you shitting me? <laughs> no, that, that would be even better. Like, I think that would be the time when, like, Mo- like Canada would build a wall against us to keep the NHL <laughs> out. They're like, nope, fuck you. We're just going to have the Canadian teams play each other. They're not crossing the border anymore. That's it. Yeah. But yeah, definitely a shitty situation. Uh, trying to stay updated on it for, uh, for you, obviously. And, uh, for everybody else. Well, thank you, Benjamin. We appreciate that. Um, a little quick, not huge breaking news, but I just sort of come across on NHL, uh, national predators forward. Austin Watson has been reinstated to the active, uh, roster for the National Predators by the NHL. How long has that been now? Probably about a month. It was right before the deadline, right? Yeah, I think it was about a month, maybe at most month and a half. So he's, he just finished. Uh, he's been available. He finishes care in a substance abuse and behavioral health program but that the NHL uh, organizes and runs, uh, which, to be honest, comes at a good time if he's completely back to where he needs to be because the trade for Simmons has not worked out at all. One goal, I don't think any assists since he got to Nashville. One of the worst defensive forwards on a team. Uh, not a positive possession guy, so that trade's not really been working out. Yeah, like you said, it could be a great time for him to jump back in the lineup for the Predators. Um, maybe with him back in the lineup, Simmons doesn't really have to play that fourth line grinder role as much. Maybe he could be able to shine offensively. So I guess we'll see as to what happens with that. But I think, are we ready for probably the most important lock of the week and game of the week picks of the season so far? Because you have a two game lead on me after Toronto shit to bet against Ottawa. Three weeks left to go. I need a little bit of a miracle here. Well, do you want to go first, or do you want me to go? What will be more beneficial? I'm going to go first because, I don't know, last week I went second, picked Ottawa, uh, picked Toronto, and they got dicked over. So I'm going to try and switch the mojo up here a little bit. Uh, but I want to start with game of the week. And obviously, hey, looking at the schedule, Bruins are playing the Islanders tomorrow night. Are they playing at Barclays? No, they're playing at the Coliseum. Funny. Should be sold out. Yeah, <laughs> 10,000 people. Uh, but my game of the week is tomorrow night, March 19th, Pittsburgh on the road against Carolina, two metropolitan division teams. Uh, 
Pittsburgh is currently third in the Metro. They're, I think, one or two points behind Islanders for second, but they're only one or two points up on Carolina, and then you have Columbus right behind Carolina. So three teams in the Metro, four if you count the Islanders, that are kind of bunched together. One of the last times this season, could be the last, I think, that Pittsburgh and Carolina play. So a very big head-to-head tiebreaker component to this matchup, as well as two points uh, for both teams. So that's my game of the week, my lock of the week. I know this is kind of an easy thing to do here, but I got to take the easy way out. Next night, Wednesday, March 20th, Anaheim at home hosting the Winnipeg Jets, taking Winnipeg there. I was going to joke around and go, Toronto on a road against Buffalo, but they can go fuck themselves. So I'm going with Winnipeg Jets over Anaheim, lock of the week. Uh, my pick for game of the week, uh, Saturday night, Nashville at Winnipeg. I know Nashville, ha- uh, Winnipeg has two games in hand currently, but um, they have 88 points. Nashville only one behind them with 87. I think this screams the second-round matchup in that central division. With that being said, getting towards the end of the year, could be some messages sent. I like where it's going. Both of them currently in their last 10, 5 5. I think this could be, yeah, just a message sender. Like, it's going to get ugly. Strap them on tight, boys. Um, After what you said, my original lock of the week, being the scumbag that I am, was San Jose at Anaheim? <laughs> um, hey, I don't, I don't want you to change your pick for me and then put an asterisk if I end up tying you or beating you at the end. Yeah, so so we'll see what happens. But I looked at the schedule and there was one that I liked, one that may be a little bit surprising to others. But um, in their last ten, Arizona seven two and one. I'm gonna pick them Saturday afternoon at New Jersey. Ooh, okay. Still, I would think, a good shot on your end, but thanks for not making me rude against the Sharks, who I've picked to win a division and coming down a stretch here. Um, another interesting, just a follow-up, a callback from last week's podcast. This Saturday is the rematch between the Islanders and Flyers in Philadelphia, where Johnny Boychuk is going to be looking to get his revenge against Jacob Orchuk. I hope NHL Network televises that game, just so I can just see the opening puck drop and see what happens. <laughs> Uh, I have a Flyers friend out here, so uh, she has NHL center ice or whatever the pat- league pass thing is. So, going to be watching that on Saturday to see if it can get any fights going there. I like it, and I mean uh, that'll be early for you too. What's that? A four o'clock start for you? Actually, I think it starts at four o'clock in the East Coast. I think it's a one o'clock one start. One o'clock, and you start having a few, dude. You'll be wasted by about 5 30 and, and this saturday is also uh one of my good friends out here his birthday where he's renting one of the old school trolleys that san francisco used <laughs> to have and we're all just it's an open bar and you just drink on it as it drives around a city for four hours so game on <laughs> um going into today in nhl history so for march 18th got about four of them that i found interesting in 1945 maurice the rocket rashad Became the first player in NHL history to score 50 goals in one season. Uh, moving on from there, in 1984, Phil Housley of the Buffalo Sabres became the youngest defenseman in NHL history to score 30 goals in a season. He did it as a 20-year-old, which 30 goals is an incredible mark even nowadays. I think Morgan Riley has 20, and that might lead the league for goals uh, by defenseman. So 30 for Housley in 1984. Uh, the next one we have here is Mario Lemieux scores a goal and sets up two others in a Penguins 5-4 win against the Blues to reach a 100-point mark. He becomes the fourth player in NHL history to have 100 or more points in each of his first three seasons. Lastly, actually, you know what? I'll throw, throw you guys a bone here. In 2000, Ray Bork becomes the first defenseman in NHL history to score 400 goals in his career. Lastly, the King. Near and dear to my heart. 2014, a year the Rangers went all the way to the Stanley Cup final and got dicked by the referees in Game 2. Henrik Lundqvist passes Mike Richter to become the winningest goaltender in New York Rangers history with his 302nd NHL win. I had something to say. Oh, you know what I was going to do? And I just completely spaced. Because then you started talking about the the Lord and Savior, Henrik Lundqvist. I was going to do my... Uh, Gary Thorne, and after 22 years, Raymond Bork! 
But yeah, I got I got I, distracted and yeah, I dropped the ball. That's my fault. Um, right. A lot of a lot of people lose their train of thought when they think of or see the Kings. So, um, but what shoutouts do you have this week? Do you find it crazy that he has a identical twin brother, Joel? That uh, he made it to NHL too. He played for the Stars for a couple of years, like two or three years before he went back to Sweden. But yeah, identical twin. I uh, I don't know how the ladies in Sweden dealt with it when they were in high school, but they made it out. One random tidbit I'm just going to throw in there. I have a friend who is also an identical twin, and um, not him or the twin, but the older brother, I guess, just has like an absolute weapon, and other <laughs> people have like informed him about it, so he would just be like, Oh, I got like, you know, I got shafted. I was a twin, you know, they cut it in half. We both split it. <laughs> but like imagine if the brothers just as strong as Henrik, like they must have had Sweden like probably still to this day. It must just be insane when they go home. Yeah, the blood, the bloodline uh lust over there in the Nordic country out of control. Every time Lundqvist goes back, he's like a rock star, especially when the Rangers made it to the cup that year and lost when he went back to Sweden for the summer. It was like uh, the Beatles landed. I can only imagine. Must be nice. <laughs> um, but for shout-outs. Shout-outs this week. Uh, Big Red, yes, definitely a tough time this week. Love you. Keep your head up. It'll be all right. I'm trying to think who else. Yeah, just, just the family. It, it's been a long week, tough week. We're just trying to uh, you know, keep our head down and push through this. That's all. Yeah, shout-outs for me. Uh, obviously, start off with the First Lady. Uh, she's killing it uh, with the fashion styling and also her own individual uh, modeling pics. It helps that she's a beauty, but it also helps that I take the photos. So I'm an Instagram husband. Uh, that's my full-time job now, apparently. Uh, so shout-out to the First Lady. Has she uh, also- made you take anything while she's like eating? Like, they're, like across the table and be like, Hey, take a picture of this while I'm putting like this strawberry in my mouth. Has, has she like hosed you on that or no? No. So at most, when we go out to eat, she'll take the photos, but it's when the food's delivered and then we got to like rearrange the settings on a table so there isn't anything unnecessary in the photo that she doesn't want. And then I can't touch my food until she gets her shot. Oh, fuck. So yeah, that's pretty rough. The only thing when it comes to food is when we go out drinking, whether us or we're friends, she does that boomerang of everybody like cheersing. Oh, I, that that's fine, but the food yeah. thing, divorce. Like, I'd be like, no, like, <laughs> not happening. I, I don't mind. When it comes to the things she has to put up with me, I think I can wait to eat my food by about three <laughs> minutes. Um, also, want to give a shout-out to uh, you guys, like you and Red, uh, Red's family. Uh, with you know, th- the things that they're going through right, right now, it's not a fun time. So, like you say, stay strong, keep your head up. Uh, yeah, we send love out here from California. And lastly, I'm going to give a shout-out to Bobo. Go fuck yourself. Sit and spin on that, Bobo. Um, uh, well, yeah, the last thing I wanted to say was, I guess this comes in closing. You know, I usually say this. You usually close it and lead us into the outro song every week. But, you know, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty here. You know, whether it's the guys in the NHL who are gearing up for their playoff run, especially the boys up in Boston, whether it's us with our podcast or and keeping our uh, newest sort of grindstone with our day-to-day, or it's just with everybody else out there that's trying to follow along with the fuck me and Kevin say every week, you know? Ain't no rest. That was a perfect outro, Benny. I have nothing more to add besides we will catch everybody next week. We appreciate the listen. And that was phenomenal. I might lay you up next week for the outro, too. We'll see. We'll see everybody next week.
wish I could Another ain't no rest for the wicked Until we close our eyes for good